quit being the world's best kept secret. Your time is now. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where I bring you guests from around the world to inspire, educate, and motivate you into taking inspired action to go after those goals and dreams. Whether it's life, leadership, or business, we have something for you. Today's guest, Leslie Short, is the owner of Kavu Group, the Kavu Group, a diversity, equity, and inclusion strategist. She has an accomplished background that includes running marketing PR for FUBU, serving as cor corporate operating strategist for Blueprint and Co., and starting several successful international businesses, Leslie has been developing multicultural mosaic marketing and programming as far back as 1998. And in her book, Expand Beyond Your Current Culture, she offers tips on how to think differently about diversity and inclusion to achieve sustainable, diverse, and an inclusive workplace. Please welcome to the show, Leslie Short. Hello. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. You know, I was doing my homework and I was like, okay, you come from such a diverse background. We come from ballet dancing to an associate producer to the work that you're doing now. Uh, I would just love for you just to start off by sharing a little bit about yourself and what has taken you on your journey. You know, I've been really, really blessed. I work really hard, but I've been really blessed. From the age of seven, I was chosen to be a classical ballet dancer. I turned professional at 12. I had to tour the world twice. Um, I saw the world through dancing, um, from ballet to theater to film and TV and commercials. And I always knew there was something else. I never knew what that something else was. But walking in New York and you see the big buildings and you're like, one day I'm going to work in one of those offices. And, you know, I was able to work in fashion and produce for television and everything has led me to the next portion of my life. Um, the skills from dancing, the dedication and the focus and understanding culture, living out of the United States for 13 and a half years. When I speak about culture, I really mean culture. Um, on both sides. And so all of that's been able to lead me to uh, create the Cabo Group and speak about culture and diversity and inclusion from both sides. Yeah. Well, one of the things that grabbed my attention as I was making sure I could pronounce it correctly was the Cabo Group. What does Cabo stand for? Cabo is an aviation term and it means visibility unlimited. And as I was sitting, trying to think of names for the company, and you know, you do all, you play back and forth. And I heard it on the news and I heard it with uh, Visibility Unlimited. And I was like, oh, Google, dictionary, trials, I need that. That's the name of the firm, that is it. And because I believe when we have these conversations, visibility is unlimited if you allow yourself to see beyond yourself. Wow. That's incredible. And synchronicity. 
um, we just recently did a show on synchronicity. So it's so timely to see how these inspirations come up in people's lives that have led them on the path to what they are. So I, I just love hearing about that. So I'm going to jump into, I see the books over just over your shoulder, expand beyond your cu current culture. And you talk about how one of your teachers asked right at the get-go, what's in your bag? And I would love to, you know, just draw in our audience. We have, you know, people listening through the podcast waves, as well as watching on YouTube on different formats. And uh, just to share, what's, what were you thinking when you were asked that question? What's in your bag? Well, it was, I was going to be certified as a mediator. And so it was definitely not the first question I expected for him to come out with. And I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And then the picture popped up and it had all these things that are happening. You need to understand for where you've come from, why you think the way that you think. Why do you move? It's not a bad thing. It's not against anything, but it's being aware of our biases. It's being aware of our joy. What's in your bag? Is it your community? Is your language? Is it your culture? what you like, what you don't like, why don't you like them? Why do you like them? Mm -hmm. And so to break that down, I created a full workshop on what's in your bag, because until we understand who we are and how we walk, we're never going to understand how someone else walks through this world. And it, it makes me think of the story about this grandmother who's, you know, making this roast in this pan and then the daughter goes and makes the roast and everybody's like, well, why are you guys cutting off the ends of the roast? And it's like, because that's the way we've always done it. Right. Right. Not realizing the roast is bigger and you don't need to cut off the ends and, you know, to start doing things differently than maybe what the previous generation has doesn't mean it's wrong or right, but it's time to do things in a different way to be more inclusive, to, you know, acknowledge other groups of individuals. I think, you know, we can get caught up in our own communities and our own circles of culture as well. That, you know, when, when we get exposed to things, I get excited, you know, everything from food to being involved in, you know, religious ceremonies and being invited to a first birthday with, you know, lumpia and, you know, this big pig across the table and then being sent <laughs> home with tons of food, thinking that's, that's part of the culture, right? And, I, you know, it's that immersion of being able to be a part of something, but it's that exposure that is the part that really helps us open our eyes to the world. But I also think we have to understand that being exposed to that, um, enjoying it doesn't take away from your culture, mm -hmm. your experiences and what you know, it's just opening you up to something new. Doesn't mean you have to like it, but at least you tried it or you were in involved in being part of seeing something new and we have to allow ourselves to take that time in that moment just to be in the moment yeah and not and to I think it's interesting how you say allow because we you know human nature is for us to automatically to move to that judger mentality right yes and so it, but if and so you have to be conscious of it right you have to go in saying I may not like the pig that's sitting on the table. <laughs> that's right. But I'm just going to be in it. You know, when I lived in Japan and I went to my first state dinner and I was the only gaijin foreigner that was allowed at this particular dinner, 
and the small fish came to the table and it was alive and it was still doing this. Oh, and they picked it up and they popped it in their mouth like it was popcorn. And I was like, I am all for culture, but the popping of the small live fish and, you know, my business partner at the time was laughing because she knew I wasn't going to pop the fish. Yeah. But I was like, wow, this is amazing. And thank you. And I can't wait to the next course. And I was like, I don't know what that's going to be either. <laughs> you almost wonder if someone's trying to trick you, I would think. You Absolutely. Know, is she willing to do that? Right. Um, but it's interesting. I, you know, one of the, my favorite things growing up, um, I worked in a food court at one time as a student and it was the people watching, watching people interact of all different types of people. And, and that's why when I think of your dinner, I think how I would love to be the observer in the room, just, you know, taking it all in and watching how people interact and, um, move into that space of trying new things. Yes. When I was in South Africa and they were like, here's kangaroo jerky or here's this jerky and here, and you know, some of it, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a small bite. I'm in South Africa. You try it. Um, I no longer eat meat. So that, there you <laughs> you go. Know? but I can say I tried it. Yeah. And I I tried shark and you, 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 you experience different things. And it, like I said, it's not everything that you have to go for, but if you're there in this culture in that moment, Take a moment to immerse yourself. Learn two words of a different language just to be polite. How about that part? Yeah. <laughs> I have a friend who wants to learn like all ways to say thank you in the world. Yes. Right. So I, I think that's a pretty cool goal, you know, to, to learn that. And I think, you know, these experiences, our show, you know, the Millionaire Woman Show is really about living rich from the inside out through principles of life, leadership, and business. So it's that. the richness that we can have from our experience of who we are, how we plan to show up in the world, and how we interact others, and how do we make a difference in the world together? How do you set the example? Exactly, exactly. For yourself, for others around you, and for the next generation coming up behind you, and for those that are in front of you that are looking at us going, things are different now. Mm -hmm. And if we don't understand it, go back. What's in your back? What is that richness that you're bringing? Because everyone has something. Yeah, we all have something in that bag to contribute, yes. to reflect on. And uh, it's, a, it's a treasure. Now, people have many different views of what a leader is and what a leader is not. Can you just share with us your perspective of the difference between the two? I think understanding what a leader is, is being able to know what your qualities are, good and bad, knowing how to bring good qualities out in someone else, to be able to step, step back and go, how do I create an environment that I can get the best out of everyone that I'm working with and give the best of myself? Someone that listens not to react, but to formulate how you move to the next level. A leader that doesn't do that <laughs> is not a leader. They are a dictator. And they are usually not someone that is confident within themselves because they haven't taken the time to realize who they are, mm -hmm. and what qualities they want to be as a leader. 
It's very, yeah, no, totally. Because I think when it comes to leadership, everyone has their own definition of what it looks like. You know, when I ask people about success or wealth, the same thing, everyone has their own from what's in their bag of what that definition might be. Now, you know, for some people, this conversation can be fresh. For some people, maybe they've been involved in the diversity, inclusion, and equality conversation for a while. But what is unconscious bias and why does it matter? It matters because if you don't know what you like and what you don't like and why you don't like something, even why you like something, but really why you don't like something, if you've never taken the moment to go, why don't I like that donut? Yeah. You know, I like to make it really simple. I like to break this stuff down. Why don't I like that? Why do I only go to that shop? Oh, because they treat me nice because they look like me and sound like me and walk like me. I don't want to try the new place. They're different than I am. Yeah. So like I said, I like to make it simple. So therefore that is unconscious bias. Yeah. You go, oh, it's nothing against that donut shop, but this one treats me nicer because you're comfortable. Mm. (laughs) You know, it just makes me think about when you said, how do you know? And um, I think it's a conversation that not everybody has really thought about the choices that they make. They make them so, you know, automatically that they don't sit back just like the roast. And I think about, you know, I know that I'm going to get some backlash for this, but I do not drink coffee. I have never had any coffee and nor at this point do I plan to have any. Um, the reason being growing up on the farm, my, we used to have a tailgate party kind of thing that, you know, my mom would make all this fried chicken and potatoes and things that we'd take out to my dad on the field. And there would be this big thermos of black coffee. I knew something was coming. (laughs) And then they would pour this coffee out. It looked like tar to me. Mm. And it had a distinct smell. My dad drank it black still to this day. He drinks it black. And I cannot right. touch it. I can, like, I have this a strong association. I, I can walk past people's cups of coffee, smells divine, but I have no desire to even sample the flavor of it. Right. And then who's to say one day you don't get a dessert with coffee ice cream? Yeah. And you don't realize that it's even coffee ice cream. Yeah. And you're eating and you're like, oh, this is divine. These flavors together. And you go, what is this? And someone goes coffee, ice cream. You're like, no, 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 I don't do coffee. (laughs) I don't do coffee. (laughs) And so it's the willingness to, to sometimes let your mind be where it is as, as opposed to now there's certain things we don't like. I don't like beets. So I get that. I don't want to be sorry. Anyone that loves beets. I just not a beet girl. So but I had a chef that did beets and they looked like mashed potatoes. And I was like, oh, isn't he being creative adding some red dye into the, come to find out that he did uh, yuca, yuca and beets mixed. And it was amazing. But the word beet to me gets my, the back of my jaw draws up. Wow. But when you don't sometimes know. Mm-hmm. So I always say this, if you fell in a hole, right? 
and you're down in that hole in the dark and a hand reached down to grab and say, grab my hand, I have you. Do you ask them what color they are? What church or temple do they go to? Yeah. Who's their rabbi, their priest, their, their, their iman? What, what are you wearing? What school did you go to? What's your sorority? Do you ask any of those questions? Not a chance. You want to get out. You reach up and you grab that hand. And then nine out of 10, when you get up, you grab the person and you say, thank you. And then your mind goes back into, oh, who are you? What, what, what just happened? Think about being in the hole and reaching for the hand and just saying thank you. Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> it, it makes me think of um, game meat too. I have a brother who does hunting and, you know, he'll sometimes make a, like a bison or a moose lasagna. And as long as he doesn't tell anybody that that's there, he'll tell them after the meal's over because otherwise they they'll turn up their nose and they won't even try it in advance. So I love like tiramisu is something that I never turn down and I know that there's some coffee in it, but to give me the form of a coffee cup, not a chance, but tiramisu, I will never turn down. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. <laughs> oh. Can you explain, like one of the things that I got from your book as well, and I want to share it with everybody, because I think this, this is where the, you know, the juices and the stimulating conversation comes from when I was diving into your book, what does it mean to, that being an ally is part of your DNA? So everyone always wants to say how they are an ally. I say, stop it. You're not allowed to call yourself an ally. An ally, a, so you have a champion, an advocate, and an ally. Champion mm -hmm. calls out, and so it's easier to break down. Champion is calls out, so-and-so should be in this room. Oh, you know, you know, Deborah's great for that. You should call her. You know, they, they bring you part of the conversation. The advocate immediately is like, Deborah has to be at this table. Don't even start the meeting unless she's there. She has that knowledge. You know, they're always pulling. That ally before anyone at the top of the conversation goes, here's everyone that needs to be part of this. This is how this needs to go. But they do the work in the dark. They do the work in the light. They do the work regardless. It's not, oh, I wanna be seen in the picture. You yeah, know, yeah. so let me pick up a shovel and be here or let me raise my fist and be here or I'm really woke. No, they are thinking constantly, how do I make this better? How, what can I do? Not what others do, what can I do to help shift this narrative? That's being an ally. It's part of who they are deep within. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, you can look in your life and see who those people are. They, they just are the doers. They go and do things and they're not expecting any type of acknowledgement or identity with that. They just do and live that way. It needs to be done and then make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in, when I think about companies in what ways, you know, they want to intentionally diversify. And, you know, recently I actually spoke at a, in a diversity, equality, inclusion conference. Mm -hmm. And one of the topics that you also address in your book is, you know, especially when it comes to hiring, you know, they're like, well, I don't want to be hired just because you need me to fit into this category so that you feel like you like in your book, you address checking the boxes, right. but to intentionally diversify, what is your belief in what needs to happen in society? So 
part of what my firm does at the Cover Group, I'm actually now working with companies, helping them diversify. But before we even have that conversation, the deal is I need to work with leadership. Why are you diversifying? Why is this important to you? What's the equity that you're prepared, which is assets, are you prepared to give to any employee that walks through the door? But assuring that if you are opening the door to diversity, that the same assets is going to be there as for others. That they're not about belonging because a book belongs in a bookstore. How are you building a culture of inclusiveness? So that means I'm the first one to say, please don't hire any diverse employees if you're not ready. And when I say diverse, I want to be clear on what I mean. That's gender, that's race, that's disability, sightseen and unseen, veterans, LGBTQ+. If you're not prepared to have these types of conversations and to be inclusive in your equity of what you're giving, then don't do it because then you're just checking a box. And what happens after that? I told you it didn't work. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because I think people look at the physical aspects so much when it comes to diversity. Yet, if I was to walk into an organization and have conversations and get to know people one-on-one, you'd recognize that every single person comes to the table with some form of diversity because we all have different perspectives, yet there's more defined, I guess, criteria is what people refer to when it comes to, like you said, checking the boxes, because we want really people to understand the why they're doing it. Always about the why. I love that you said it is always about the why. Because when you hear diversity, nine out of 10, you think black and white. Now it's expanded black and brown. Mm -hmm. But don't bring black and brown people into a space and you haven't even had a conversation with the rest of your staff why you're diversifying. Because yes, we are all diverse, but there's diverse and there's diversity Mm. within the diverse. (laughs) That's true. Very true. (laughs) Yeah. And it comes back to that. Why? Like, what, what is the purpose? I, and, you know, for me, when I think about that diversity and I still have lots to learn, don't, don't get me wrong, Leslie, I have lots to learn, but for me, it is about, you know, expanding our worldview, not only thinking from a local level, but thinking more of a global level at all times. Yes. Yes. Because it's not only, you know, I say it's not about you. <laughs> what else is going on in the world yeah. around you? Not your world, but the world around you. Because it influences how we think, how we move, how we see. But yet we stay in our own little bubble. Yeah. And so that's why I call it expand beyond your current culture. Yeah, That means your culture, expand beyond that. And then as a company organization, expand beyond that Mm -hmm. and and it starts within your community it starts within your organization even you know your own families I think back to again I grew up in a small on a farm outside of a small town and I remember a family um, that was of Korean background and they owned you know ran the gas station in town and she wanted to have more Canadian cooking and she wanted to you know try some of the Ukrainian ethnic food that we had well, that's how I learned about bogogi and kimchi and all these things that now came into my house because she came to cook for my mom and vice versa. And 
it was a wonderful experience and a wonderful expansion of my worldview right. yes. on a local level, right? Because I, I wasn't traveling anywhere to have the full exposure, but just to have in your own community and acceptance and um, just appreciation. It starts in the home, you know, and that's where you, you know, I always say when I do my course, that's where you learn these things. And this is when you open up. Maybe you don't have the money to travel, but you're watching travel on television. Mm-hmm. Look what uh, some of the some of the shows have done. Open up for people to try um, your brother's lasagna and and and, and yeah. wanting to try it because they saw it on TV. They want to try something different and opening up to just knowing that there's more than where we sit today. That you know, I want. You know, a fight of mine that I will start maybe this year is about how food is categorized in supermarkets. Why is it ethnic over there? And this, why can't it just be hot sauce? Why can't it just be kimchi? Why can't it be part of who we all are? Yeah. We don't need all these labels. I don't want to take anyone's culture away, but we also don't need to be segregated within inclusion, within even in the supermarket. (laughs) As long as someone helps me find the sauce, I mean, that's all that matters for me so I can go home and make it, you know, um, but it's important. And, you know, one of the titles that struck me in one of your chapters, and I just love this because I had to repeat it to myself a few times and I thought, okay, I'm going to go deep with her in this one. Diversity inclusion should be a promise with execution, not a problem with a promise. So what do people need to do to ensure that there's execution? Be aware of what you're executing. Stop talking about (laughs) diversity, equity, inclusion like it's a magical box. It has to be built as part of your foundation of any organization. Why is it important the same way why anything else is important? How are you building it into your culture? Otherwise, it becomes a problem. And sometimes I get those calls when it's panicking and there's a problem, as opposed to if you're building it into your culture, having these conversations, looking at handbooks for equity and putting the Crown Act in and and understanding all the, the nuances of who's working for you and how do you um, get the best out of them and motivate outside of a check so that everyone's on the same vision and mission that's execution. It takes work to be inclusive. You just can't pe- throw people in a room and be like, okay, I know you go home at night and you may never see anyone else that doesn't look like you, sound like you, or walk like you, but in the morning, everyone shows up here. Everyone be inclusive. Good luck with that. No, you have to be intentional. It takes work. It takes time. And, it, and it's important because One of the things that comes to mind is, you know, when we think diversity, it's not about like when we have, I don't even know the right words to say this. So please correct me Um, to celebrate the diversity, but it's not to conform, right. To not have this conformity of it's, it's a conformity in the fact that we want people to be open. We want people to, you know, accept and be open and curious to learning about others, just like the food, right? We can try it. 
doesn't mean, you know, it's going to be our staple go-to on a Friday or Saturday night dinner, but we need to be able to celebrate the differences, but celebrate what we all bring to the table. And it's not that, you know, everybody is like this when you come to work, because that's, it's not about that. It's not about creating a robotic that this is an expectation of this culture right right everyone's not monolithic yeah it's integration so you have to take everyone as an individual and i always say we celebrate differences but do we live differences Mm. so celebrating it is great but if you don't live it if you don't if you go home and close your door and that's it then you're you're, you're never really going to make the connection of another human being, their culture, their ways. And why should everyone have to conform to what we think society, this is the way all, all cultures should be. Or I saw a movie and that's your culture. No, because then we're all wrong. <laughs> yeah. So let's expand on living the differences. Give me an example of what that looks like to you. That looks like are you, it's different to seeing I'm going to a, a restaurant and I'm trying this different food and now I'm cultured on ethnic food. Right. Oh, you went to a restaurant and had dinner. I'm not taking that away. Yes. But that doesn't make you the expert now on Korean food, Asian food, African food, whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're not going home and maybe reading up on the culture and understanding the spice if you're that foodie or whatever, why the bread is there, why you eat with your hands or any of that, then you're just going to celebrate something, but you're not living what you just celebrated. You know, I love that you mentioned that because I think it made what came to mind for me right away was an interview I've done recently. And, you know, the person across the table, you know, we were explaining that there's two of us writing down madly everything that the other person was saying to us and that they might not have eye contact. Mm. And eye talk contact's a big thing. And she says, well, in my culture, um, having your eye contact, me having eye contact with you would be disrespectful. And here I was concerned about being disrespectful for her not having eye contact. And I said, well, now that we've gotten that out of the way, <laughs> both of us should be good. Because I may may look up and I may not. But if I do, we both have this understanding of each other that I'm not taking it as disrespect. And I'm hoping that the other person across from me isn't either. But it was a really rich, you know, I thought that was a very rich conversation that we were able to understand each other for that purpose of why we were there. What you gave, you just said the magic word, conversation and understanding. Mm -hmm. That different cultures, the simplest things looking at each other may not be the same for every culture. But if you don't have that conversation, how would you know? And then what's what normally happened? They were rude. I don't want to work with them again. Yeah. I was looking at it. They never looked me back in my eye. Yeah. Well, that was a shine of respect, actually, and not disrespect. So if we don't have these conversations about our different cultures um, and our expectations of one another in culture, how are we ever going to understand our differences and truly celebrate them? Yeah. 
And, you know, it's so rich because I felt so much better after we had that conversation because then it was something I learned and I needed to look up and, you know, a term that we were talking about at the beginning of the show as I was learning about Kabu was Ubuntu, you know, um, and my mind just went blank. Uh, but it is learning these words that have significance. And you were sharing with us, you know, the importance and power of the words um, that we use that they can, you know, disempower and empower us. But I don't think we pay attention to the words themselves. Because you even said, you know, you taught a workshop today talking about the word respect, for example. You want to just share with us a little bit about that? Well, it's respect. It is about privilege. I, I was uh, doing this workshop and I, I chose words that we use all the time and that we just toss out there. And then my the way that I may look at respect may not be the same re- way that you're looking at it. And we're standing there holding our ground, waiting for that person to respect us. Well, we've never said what the expectation of respect is. And the other person is holding their ground. Yet, I just want you to kind of maybe shift to the left if you want me to shift to the right. And no one's ever said, hey, we can do this together if we just shift a little bit. Oh, I can see better now. I can see better now. But we don't do that. We're so busy holding our ground. It's like the word privilege. What a trigger word, right? But it isn't. Because every last one of us has some type of privilege may not all look the same, but if we woke up that we're already ahead of the game of privilege, there are privileges that come along with privilege. And we forget to speak about the privileges that shift us. Mm, And until until we break down these words, then we are all thinking we're speaking the same language and it may be the same language. It is definitely not the same meaning to the words. The privileges that shift us, so powerful to think about um, because there's privileges within our own communities, our, in our own organizations, in cultures, in so many different places. Um, and yet there's this paintbrush that is crossed of what that privilege means. Yet I love how, how you say that, that we don't pay attention enough to the privileges that shift us. And, and that's, you know, people want to say white privilege or black or this, it's privilege and understanding that we all have a degree of privilege, but there are degrees of privilege that are just given, mm-hmm. just born with. That's not a bad thing. Recognize that that's a privilege and there's privileges that come along with that. Yeah. I am privileged and have privileges, but we need to be aware of that. That's fascinating. I I love your perspective on that. And, you know, the other one that really stood out for me, I'm going to quote you here, is if you want to be aspirational, be operational as well, take care of your inside as well as your outside, we are watching. Yes, yes. Because so many companies and organizations are so good at hiring great advertising and PR firms. Nothing against them. I've worked on both. Yeah. And they doing these ads and where women go get it or disco do this. And two weeks later, you see an article, the pay equity is not there. Pay leave is not there. Health insurance is not there. So 
you can be as aspirational as you want to be a part of this lifestyle that we've created in advertising in the world. But if you don't treat your insides, that's your employees. <laughs> yeah. That's the mindset. That's your culture. They're going to talk because what happens when things are good? Do people always talk? They, but when something goes awry. <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> they do. They're the, and this is why they need to hire you, Leslie, because, you know, you right at the beginning, it was like, before you start doing any of these things, you know, let's talk about why you're doing these things. Mm -hmm. And then you can help mitigate some of that, you know, ramifications of having an article like that later on. Absolutely. And sometimes when people go, oh, Leslie, I'm not sure the budgets, I'm like, here's what I'm going to say. You're going to have an extra line item regardless now. It can be me and I can try to help you not have the other line item, which is the attorneys. <laughs> Nothing against exactly. them. All my friends are attorneys. But where do you want to go? You know, this is not going to get swept under the rugs. We're dealing with people, not numbers. Yes. Yeah. And people have feelings. They have culture. They are bringing things. We need to understand that we need to stop checking boxes in numbers. Mm -hmm. Because if you bring the good, right people in that has a diversity of thought, diversity of culture, diversity of color, diversity of living, your bottom line, that number that you're always looking for will enhance. On a natural, naturally. Yes. Because of, you know, and I, I can see loyalty, mm -hmm. um, pride. Yes to being part of such an organization where everyone feels like they belong. Well, they feel valued mm -hmm. for what they bring to the table. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. So I'm just going to start winding us up here, but I have a few more questions. Of course, I always got some extra in my bag. Yes. Um, diversity inclusion is not a trend. So how do you respond when someone says, well, we're doing our best? Well, let's look at what else you can do. This is your best today at this moment. How do we continue to move from here? Mm -hmm. That is what I say, because this is never ending. Because again, shocking folks, we're dealing with people. So <laughs> yeah. Everything else is simple, but as soon as you put people in the mix, it all goes. <laughs> so this is not a beginning and an ending. For some people, that's their, their thought. Well, we're doing the best we can. Okay, I'm, I'm good with that. Now we're going to look to see what else we can do to make it better. Yes. Yeah. Little by little for some. Some I have to slow down because like, you, can't, you can't run through it because, again, it's not, <laughs> it's not a race. <laughs> what are you doing that's going to be that you're going to commit to, be sustainable, and be accountable for? Mm. in the long run well I know that's going to have people watching and listening to this podcast really walking away thinking reflecting and I hope you whoever's you know is a journaler that you're out there journaling on how this podcast has impacted you Leslie has shared so many huge nuggets of information and I know I'm going to be thinking about this for a while and we'll have to reconnect and have more conversation yeah. Leslie I have a couple more questions but something that I've been just dying to ask you is that belt behind your shoulder can you tell us a little bit more about that so 
I've always been a, hand, a huge fan of boxing. And I've had the amazing opportunity to work with Muhammad Ali and Lennox Lewis. And I walked into a gym one day, long story short, I walked into a gym one day, gave them my credit card and said, I want a box, I'll pay for a month. I was in my three inch heels, my skirt, it was coming from a meeting. And it was a Mexican gym. And I say that because if anyone knows about boxing, the Mexican gyms, you go in there to fight. And they said they laughed. And it was like, she's never coming back. <laughs> and I walked back in and said, I don't want to be a girl in the gym, I, but I want to learn technique. And I went from that to fighting. And so I went and I won a belt um, at a older age. Let's just put that. I was in the master's division. Yes. And I won my belt. I retired. And then I got my boxing license to help train um, amateur boxers. Wow. So this is my belt. <laughs> That's fantastic. So from ballet, there was actually an article written from ballet to boxing. <laughs> That's a huge <laughs> diversity right there, right there. Diversity. But my coach would say pivot. In my head, see the same thing. What I knew of pivot was a dance pivot. So I mean, he was like, no, bala, bala pivot and it was a different pivot for boxing right so I had to break the habit of going into what I knew and what my body automatically knew from a yeah. dance pivot to a boxing pivot you know that makes me think of how you know when I think of a ballet dancer I think of such delicate fragile and yet at the same time the same individual can be those things and be able to be strong and strategic and very intentional, tactical in their approach. So I just, I love that. But honestly, that's dancing. And so every twitch means something in your body, every movement, your finger, your neck, your head, your eye when you're dancing. The same with boxing. You're watching your opponent and every shoulder move means they're going to pivot or do something. And so it's like playing chess. And that's the way I looked at it when I was boxing, you know, the hook that, so. That's awesome. I've, <laughs> I've been boxing only a couple times. Um, we have a world uh, champion here in Edmonton, uh, Jelena, and I, I don't want to pronounce her last name wrong, Medrovich. Okay. I'll, 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 just say, okay. I'll, I'll send it to you um, so that you have it. But um, I went to her boxing um, studio to learn a little bit more and I, and I would take it up again because it, it was, it was challenging, right? It's a great workout. If nothing it else, it's a good workout. workout. Definitely. So what is one book that has really shifted the way you show up in the world? gonna have to say it and it's the bible it's really that simple for me it's my faith yeah um and it's a powerful powerful book you know it's not the first time i've, I've heard it but i would love what it means to you and what it's done for you from the age of seven seven was a big year for me i'm just turning the other age but seven was a big year for me yeah <laughs> i think back you know going to sunday school and going to bible study and understanding that there was, even at that time, that there was something bigger than me mm. and that I could use the teachings and words to continue to guide whatever I was doing at seven. And I just knew I was in. And I remember as a little girl, I used to pray and go, God, I want to come work for you, but I don't want to wear the same outfit every day. 
So <laughs> it was only you could be a nun, you know, at seven and that yeah. I the same outfit. So I knew then. And my personal joke is um, God always said, I gave you the talent to dance. Go do that. And I'll call you later. And since then, I've been to seminary. I am a chaplain. And, you know, I, you know, I am a minister and I don't preach, but I use all of that, the, what I've learned as part of how I work with diversity, equity, and inclusion, how I work with people, how mm-hmm. I want to see the world and how the world that I'm in that I want to keep trying to build. That's beautiful. Now, when you think, like I often refer to this golden thread that you think of all the different things that you've done in your life. And, you know, you mentioned it earlier, how it's led you up to who you are based on, you know, characteristics and skills. But thinking from ballet to boxing, did you ever think that that's what you were going to be when you were growing up? I knew I was going to be a dancer Mm -hmm. because I was chosen at the age of seven. Right. And so when everyone said there was no such thing as a black ballerina, I was like, whatever. My, my parents are amazing to this day. They are my biggest cheerleaders, my biggest support. They will say yes, they will say no, but they will stand right next to me mm. and do all of my madness. I give them a lot of credit because I'm the one that's been like, oh, I'm flying over here. I'm flying over there. I'm going to live in that country. No, I'm not coming back. And so whatever I decided to do, other than boxing, my dad was not thrilled. I'll say that. Um, I've been right there. So I wasn't sure after dancing what it would be, but I knew I would do whatever I wanted to do because I was taught whatever you decide to do, you get to do it. Yeah. And so, yeah, everything has added up. When I opened my theater in Japan, I opened my theater because I made friends with stagehands. Instead of like being in the back with the dancers, I made friends with stagehands. So I, I learned how to run the lighting board and the sound board and how do you run a camera? And those are things that interest me. I, I'm, I'm curious to this day. I always want to learn. Who knows when you're using? Yeah, and you don't know how it served because you were an associate producer as well. And look how those skills came in handy, I'm sure, in many ways. Yes, yes. How do you book people? How do you speak? Again, how do you get on the phone with someone you've never met and you're asking them to come tell, come on public television and tell your whole life story. Yeah. Um, and, but to have, to do it with empathy, to do it with compassion, mm-hmm. to do it, how does someone, if I receive this call, what would I want from them? Yeah. And, and so it, it has definitely been, um, what a joy. I, I love life. I love learning. I love experimenting. I'm not that like, I'm not the risk taker. Of, everyone always says I am, but I'm not jumping out of planes. I'm not that kind of a risk taker. Yeah. But when it comes to business or learning or just going, I'm going to get up and do it. I don't, I think it through and I'm going to figure out how to make it happen. I love how you say that it just starts with a decision, a decision a choice to do what you want to do. Yes. Because you have to, what? Know what's in your bag and then know who's around you that can also help you on your journey because we don't do this alone. Yeah. Yeah. And so often we think that we're, we're doing this whole thing on, on our own and we're not. No. And, and don't always be so scared to not speak about it. Now, I know they say, don't tell everybody all your business. And I agree with that. But you have to know who 
you can share with because you don't know who knows who and who can help you on your journey. Like, honestly, just be there and say, this is a connection. Make that happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So what does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out? Oh, again, inner peace. Knowing that I can sit still and be quiet and be the best company I can have. Oh, that's juicy. <laughs> I love it. I can talk to myself. I can make myself laugh. I can that. But being good with who I am, knowing that that may not be who I am a year from now. But at this moment, I can relish in the woman that I am today. And I look forward to, I always say, be the crazy old woman. Why are you on my grass? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because that's called growth. Yeah. So that's being rich to know that I'm good with me and that I can move me in many different directions. I feel so blessed to have had the opportunity to, you know, interview you and, you know, have you not only inspire and motivate and educate our guests, but doing the same for myself. Um, it's been such a rich conversation that I know I'm going to be pondering for years to come. And uh, I would just love to, for you to share how you can, people can stay in touch with you or learn more from you. Absolutely. Um, you can always check the Cabo Group website, www.thecabogroup.com. I always say, make sure you put the the, C-A-V-U, otherwise you're going to get a construction company. <laughs> um, that's not me. Or always by LinkedIn with my full name, Leslie Short, and on all social media at the Cabo Group. And we'll have everything in the show notes so that people can find, find it in the show notes and connect with you directly as well. And of course, you know, on the Millionaire Woman Show, we'd love for you to rate, review, uh, put a comment. If you're watching us on YouTube, put a comment below so that we can hear from you and what stood out for you the most during this interview. Leslie, any final words you'd like to leave with our guests? Just know that you have the opportunity to shift and to look at something differently. And it's okay to expand beyond your current culture. Thank you so much, Leslie. And thank you everyone for joining us here on the Millionaire Woman Show. Like I said, I will put everything in the show notes for you to stay in touch with Leslie. Also, you can go over to my website at www.debrakasowski.com. That's Kasowski with an S-K-A-S-O-W-S-K-I.com. And you can get your three-part video course right now of making habits stick to put some focus and consistency into those goals and dreams of yours. As Mahama Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And on behalf of Leslie and myself, go out and make today great.